Welcome back to another episode of On the Bench with Beaks. This is episode 46. I am your host, Cody Beekman, and with me, as always, is Daniel Beebe. Hi, everybody. Ross Moormeyer. Hey, what's up, guys? And Bryce McMillan. How's it going? And today we have a returning guest star, the man with the plan, Mr. Ryan Hawk. Ryan, say hello to the fine people once again. Hey, guys. How are you? So you guys probably know Ryan from uh, being the co uh, co-host for the Hockey Minute for a while. Also, uh, he's uh, kind of uh, spread his wings uh, per se to uh, open up his own podcast, Hockey Talk Podcast. His first episode just um, just aired a couple days ago. Is that right, Ryan? Yeah, yeah. Last Tuesday. So yeah, we're gonna get into that. We're gonna talk. Well, we um, if you don't know, uh, Ryan's a huge Washington Caps fan, and seeing how a whole bunch of stuff is going on with uh, the Caps lately, we're gonna get into that. Maybe talk a little all Canadian division, seeing how you are the king of Surrey, BC. Uh, <laughs> So uh, let's get it started with a little hockey day in history. Uh, Daniel, I know you've been chomping at the bit to say uh, say yours today, so let's get it going, <laughs> bud. Uh, well, thanks, Cody, and welcome to the show, Ryan. It's really good to have you back, bud, and it's nice to have some other BC representation on today. So <laughs> uh, mad love, and thanks for coming on again. So um, for those that know me well, I'm a big fan of the – 75th anniversary season of the NHL and I was looking through some dates around this time of the year January 28th 1992 um, this was when Brett Hall became just the second player ever in NHL history to record back-to-back seasons of 50 goals in 50 games wow he scored in a 3-3 tie against this other team called the LA Kings who uh, had this player on the team at the time called Wayne Gretzky, who was the only other person to have done this feat. So wow. that's kind of cool too. Oh, that's, that's really interesting that he does it in the same game he's playing against Gretz. And, you know, for uh, Ryan's a, um, a Caps fan, as we've mentioned there's a marketed thing where it's like Crosby versus Ovechkin, but they, they kind of respect each other, you know? Brett Hall and Wayne Gretzky, they, they are good friends. And yeah. uh, it, was, it was pretty cool to see them kind of be able to share that moment together. So really cool part of the NHL's history. I wonder what Gretz thought when, uh, you know, uh, Brett Hall was getting super hammered during the uh, St. Louis run to the Stanley <laughs> Cup. Like r- rubbing his nipples and stuff. I wonder what Gretz uh, had to say about that one. Oh, jeez. Well, anyways, let's uh, let's, uh, let's move on. Uh, Ross, you want to go next? Yeah. Um. Uh, this day, which is uh, I'm going with uh, January 29th of 1985, uh, the New York Islanders Brian Trottier became the 19th player in NHL history, NHL history to score 1,000 career points. His milestone came with a 4-4 tie to the North Stars of Minnesota. He became the first to score his 1,000th career point on a short 
handed goal. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, yeah. Short, a little shorty for the thousand. That's not bad. <laughs> that's pretty no. sweet. Right on. Well, uh, Bryce, what do you got here, bud? Right on. So on this day in hockey history, January 30th, 1975, um, boss's Bobby Orr recorded the eighth hat trick of his NHL career and added an assist as the Bruins beat the Oakland Seals six to nothing in Boston. So oh, talk about it. Yeah. And the goalie also had a shutout too. So what a great game, a hat trick, a shutout and who can't appreciate Bobby Orr. Uh, Bobby. Uh, anyway. Yeah. I mean, you know, uh, it's so funny that you mentioned the, the Oakland seals. Did you, did you guys know that like they actually used to put like lead based paint on the skates to make them white. And, uh, the, uh what, what they would do is after all those like black puck marks and stuff, they would just, add another layer of that white paint. So, uh, at the, towards the end of the season, like these fucking skates would be like, would weigh so much. And like the, these players had to skate on it, skate with them. It'd be like putting God. on like cement shoes, like back in the, the mafies, we're going to put some cement shoes on them and throw them in the <laughs> lake. Larry. I can only yeah. imagine. Yeah. <laughs> and back in the day, those skates were already heavy enough. Oh well, hell yeah. yeah. So, and that's wild. Yeah. that's so weird. That ownership had a lot of weird uniform decisions. Uh huh. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I did know that uh, for a while before it was kind of more mainstream and mandated that numbers were on jerseys. They would put the they would paint the number of the player on the skate. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean. Uh, that, but I mean, I'm talking like they like because because the owner wanted that like white skate aesthetic. Yeah, and, like uh, he would have them. Yeah, all of them painted, and, and if they got like a black puck mark, which I mean, obviously you can't go through a game without getting at least one or two black puck marks. Yeah, just layers and layers. It's just of like white yeah. paint. Where it was was were white skates just not available? Like I just don't understand the <laughs> logic here at all. Like it's just I don't know, yeah, but I it, yeah. I mean, back then, yeah, you'd go more with like a leather skate, but yeah, just, you, you just got this owner painting every every guy's skate. So that's just a little uh, kind of a weird tidbit about the Oakland Seals. Well, and it makes me wonder if they had a personal, like, team hired buddy to actually paint the skates after each game or between shifts or whatever the hell. Oh, just probably between each game. I mean, why you wouldn't want to have wet paint during a game. But, I mean, who knows? It was a fucking weird time back in the uh, 70s. Right? Yeah, the Wild West of the NHL was crazy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, well, I'm going to round this off for uh, Round Hockey Day in History off real quick. Uh, January 30th, 1990, uh, rookie Wayne Gretzky recorded his first four-assist game in a win against Los Angeles, 8-1, uh, to one, and Gretzky also scored a, uh, a goal for a total of five points. Not so, bad. Dang, five points. 1980? 1980. Okay, I thought I heard 1990. I was like, yeah. Five-point game. 
<laughs> Damn, dude. Rookie season, five-point game, no big deal. And, this, and it was only his 49th career NHL game, by the way. Uh, like, it took, what, uh, how many times? How many times has it taken a guy? Uh, I don't know. Maybe a year or years into his NHL career to score uh, uh, a four assists and then add a add a, a Geno on top of it. Right. No, but I mean, you have to be in the the NHL for quite a while, or even playing hockey on a professional level for quite a while to do that. That's a feat, dude. But I mean, it's Wayne Gretzky, so why the fuck not, right? Right. <laughs> All right. Well, that, uh, that that wraps it up for hockey day in history. Let's uh, let's switch our uh, sights over onto Mr. Ryan Hawk. Ryan, um, let's uh, let's talk a little uh, past and present here. Um, you uh, obviously you're co-host of the Hockey Minute. Um, do you want to kind of tell us what's like that? Uh, what that was like, and then um. Why you decided to switch over to making your own podcast, and then maybe get into what your new uh, new cast is all about, and what you, what you're trying to look for in doing so. Yeah, guys. Well, uh, again, thanks for having me on. First and foremost, um, I mean, as far as the hockey minute went, yeah, I think we just kind of got burnt out more than anything. Uh, we were pumping out a lot of content, and um, they, we just kind of hit that wall and. Uh, pretty much the whole you know everyone kind of went their own separate ways but uh with the new show hockey talk um is basically it's about making the game uh, or bringing the the beauty of the game to the forefront man i mean last year we had some pretty tough stories come out from uh you know guys like brennan leipzig and and then akima lu sharing what he had gone through and i kind of thought it was a little interesting that there were, yeah. Granted, it's Twitter, so you take it with a grain of salt. But the Twitter mob was out saying it's typical hockey culture, and um, you know, I mean, I look at Colorado Avalanche like Nathan McKinnon seems like an awesome guy. Landis Gog seems like a, a guy who does so much for the community, and that doesn't get talked about as as hockey culture. And um, so the whole point of the new show is is just to bring different people together and talk about uh, you know what hockey's taught them. And you know, Kelly Rudy was my first guest, and he he talked about um just everything he's learned throughout the game but also you know with that platform what it's offered him now with his advocacy for uh you know mental health awareness and and then some of the other guests i have coming on are you know one guy's a pretty prominent country musician up here in canada and he talked about you know what he learned from playing hockey growing up and and how to to set up a, a band that you know treat it like a locker room right everyone's got to show up bring their a game and and everyone's a part of the team so uh, it's been good so far. No, that, and that's great, and I, I think I think that's um, a really important thing to actually just bring to light is, you know, how hockey does really if, can can and will affect your life once you uh, once you really step in the skates, if you will, or on the ice. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, it's like I said, it was just kind of. Uh... I don't know. I'm not sure why hockey gets picked on quite as much as it does when, when things maybe go wrong in, in a sense. But, uh, uh, you know, some of the guests that I've, I've already recorded six episodes and I mean, every guy that's come on and, and one woman uh, that's come on has said like, you know, I, I wouldn't be where I am today with without what I learned through the game, you know, whether it's perseverance or, you know, just overcoming different adversities in, in different uh, different leagues or, you know, one guy played 
pro hockey till he was 43 years old over in, uh, you know, the UK. And then he came back and played in the East Coast League for a couple of years. And so it's all just that, that kind of stuff. And, and I want to make sure that, you know, that that gets brought up and, and that we can share the beauty of the sport, not uh, not focus on the negatives. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, go for it, Daniel. Sorry, buddy. I was just going to say, yeah, I I think that's an important um, message, and I'm glad you're going to be spreading it because even with the one episode we've heard so far that's aired with Kelly Rudy, he talked a lot about how part of what allowed him to become a goalie was the accessibility to the equipment and the rink, and that wouldn't have been possible without just the facilities in his community offering that to him for free to be able to use. And I know he also is just more of an advocate for like, yeah, I know that the quality of the equipment isn't going to necessarily make the player, but you need equipment to play and we, we should certainly make it accessible. And um, that wasn't lost in his message. That was really at the forefront for me. So I'm, I'm very curious, like have, with the guests that you've been talking about, um, have you also been able to get them to provide some next steps uh, towards whatever causes they've been talking about or during your research into your guests that I know that you like to do, have some come to the forefront so far with you that you know, you'd like to mention you think are worth checking out? in our time because you know around here we're also big into the hockey community side of things as well yeah well and to your point daniel like canada canada has kind of gotten a little bit too um inaccessible right i mean uh, kelly and i talked about finland how they've done like the gear recycling but kelly brought up you know a couple different markets nashville being one um uh, to watch you know like america does such a good job with creating these grassroots programs in Canada it seemed like when I started playing and I was six and seven years old we kind of did the gear drives where like the older kids would just kind of resell the gear or, you know recycle the gear down to the kids that were younger and and then we kind of got away from that um, but like in the in the states like we've seen how many first round picks have come out of St. Louis Missouri lately like in the last handful of years right and we're going to see it now with Arizona with Matthews being one of the biggest stars and uh ASU being a Div 1 school right now. Um, yep. So there's that. I mean, to, to answer the second part of your question, uh, Sammy Joe Small, who's a Canadian Olympic goaltender, um, turned public speaker now, and then she just wrote a book. And she came on and, you know, we, we talked a little bit about that in the episode of just like, you know, what's it going to take to grow the women's game, not just in Canada, but around the world. And she talked about how uh, over in Sweden and Finland, the reason why those countries have gotten better in the women's game is just, they, the governments have spent so much more money and uh, to, to invest into the game. And, um, you know, I, I mean, I'll, I'll leave it at that. There's a lot that goes into her answer, which, I, you know, is a lot to explain just for, for right now. But, you know, Canada and the U.S., I think, do a good job as well of funding the women's sports. But, you know, it's, it could it be better? Probably. Yeah. But, I mean, the NWHL right now is uh, just getting ready to head into their playoffs, actually. And, and that should also, you know, bring some exposure to the women's side yeah which yeah they that sorry um go ahead Cody. No, i was just gonna add to that fact that i mean uh and they will be televised on nbc which is great yeah yeah that's that's what i was gonna say actually was they for the first time their uh games at the 
playoff level will be on uh, NBC Sports. So a huge audience potential there, and I'm really excited to see that for them. And and just to your point, Ryan, it's uh, you know we just had a gal on a great uh, like uh, Hannah Westbrook that uh, you know kind of came from these like grassroots movements in Laramie, Wyoming. I mean, oh, for the longest time yeah. they they didn't even have a rink, and the next thing you know, they're raising money and uh, to get a rink. And uh, if you if you listen to that episode, she's like one of the first pro women to play in diff- oh, four different countries professionally. And so yeah. it, it, it is these grassroots uh, movements are really, really huge for the game of hockey, not just on the men's or the women's side, just, I mean, all, all around for the game, you know. Well, and I think uh, Kelly said in Nashville, like, when Kelly's career was kind of winding down, the Predators were just getting a team, or like Nashville was just getting a team, and they only had one arena in the entire, I can't remember if it was the entire city or the entire state, but uh, he said now they've got about seven or eight different arenas, and and again, it's just, and that's why I say like the U.S. has done such a good job. You you look at the World Juniors, right? I mean, obviously, uh, you know, the U.S. pulled one out against Canada just recently, but it's like, it used to be Canada would walk into that tournament. It was a guaranteed gold medal, no problem. And yep. and now it's like, not only is it the Americans getting better, but it's the Finns. It's, you know, like the Swedes are, are still mm-hmm. there. The Russians are still there. But Finland and the USA were like two countries that you'd, you'd kind of think like, oh, they're going to fight for bronze. And now you look at how good some of these kids are coming from these countries. Uh, even, you know, I mean, Germany, man, that Stutzel kid, he's no joke. So, no, um, yeah. you know, it's... There's this guy, dry settle that's not so bad yeah, either. Yeah, yeah, right? he's no. okay, no. he's okay. Yeah, Germans and uh, third overall picks are a pretty good duo, I guess. But, I mean, it's it's just <laughs> that the fact that the U.S. in the last 10 years, I think, is... I mean, up here, I, I'm kind of watching it, and I'm like, it doesn't surprise me when Canada, it's been more and more expensive to play hockey. And in the U.S., it's like, they, I'm not sure the, the logistics of it, but it seems like in certain states, they're just like, hey, here's some gear. Get on the ice. You know, We'll give you the free gear. The ice time's not expensive. And uh, I think it's only a matter of time before we see more and more you know, Americans coming from Florida and Arizona and places like that with, with some of the success of whether it's local players or Tampa Bay winning the cup, for instance. Yeah. Well, in my experience, I mean, um, uh, here in Denver, they, yeah, I mean, the Colorado Avalanche hosts, like, uh, try hockey for a day every year, and they always have donated equipment. I mean, the, uh, you know, the people the that kind of host it, yeah, they, they go out on a limb and, you know, they get all this gear for kids, especially in low-income neighborhoods and stuff, to, and, like, just give this stuff out. Just so kids can try something new and, and experience the game of hockey for themselves, which is huge. And I think that that a lot of that like really shines through to these kids that don't really have uh, don't really have the means to play in the first place. Right, equipment is so expensive, especially hockey. I mean, things just get more expensive every single year. So if kids just have the opportunity to just get what they need to play, it's going to change their life. Especially when you play hockey, it's just a fun sport. It's a free feeling. It's awesome. Well, and, and you always think too, like, what's the alternative, right? If you don't have a kid in sports, like, what are they going to be doing? And in some, I'm not saying this is always the case, but like sometimes kids that, like, when I was growing up, like, yeah, the odd kid that didn't play any sports and he was like in seventh grade smoking a pack a day, right? So 
um, it's, it's kind of one of those things where it's like, if you can get these kids into hockey and, and whether they, whether they make the NHL or whether they just play once a week in a rec league for fun, it still, you know, gets them around a certain type of association and, and you make friends that way. And it can, it can alter a path, right. It can alter, keep you out of maybe some trouble or keep you away from certain other young kids that, that are on a different path themselves. And, and that's what I mean. Like, I think that hockey always seems to get the bad rap and, you know, you look at when things happen in, let's say the NFL, for instance, it's like, you know, a guy gets arrested for whatever reason that's, you know, it's just, oh, well, that's just that guy. He's just kind of, you know, he's a, he's a scumbag, right? And they, they don't talk about football culture, but in hockey, it's like, I mean, up here we had Brock Besser. Uh, I don't know if you guys saw the story, but he took a, a young girl to her high school prom. She had Down syndrome and like that didn't really make the news. You know, it, it was kind of weird, but then it's like something bad happens and it's, it's people are quick to jump all over the sport. So that's, uh, that's the idea behind the show, man. It's just to bring, bring forward all these people and then just share the positives. Uh, yeah, I, I remember seeing that about Brock Besser, and I, I, I thought that was just, like, the coolest thing ever. Actually, um, I, I, had the, I had the privilege of presenting a Dog Nation check to a guy that uh, ju- uh, just, uh, was just paralyzed in a work accident. And um, he, um, he, I, apparently he played a lot with Clayton Keller. And Clayton, uh, he threw a bunch of money into the pot for uh for his recovery and stuff so that uh, that um that's just another thing that i think kind of flew definitely flew under the radar with i mean how giving and how caring hockey players really are so big shout out to john orell and uh clayton keller as well i love that cody and i mean it's that's i'm glad you added that last thing ryan because that's what i wanted to try to Make sure I understood it. It sounds like you're going to be kind of like the good news side of hockey from the uh, community and off-ice perspective, if if I could try to paraphrase a little bit. Would that be pretty accurate? Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Like, I, Look, I, I'm not going to lie to you. There is certainly a selfish aspect of it when I get, you know, a guy like Kelly Rudy on or, you know, it's it's nice to just be able to uh, to talk to a guy like that who's had a long NHL career and so on. I mean, obviously, I enjoy that side of it. But I didn't, you know, when I, like I said, I'm six episodes in and the guys that I've talked to so far, like, you know, for instance, uh, Sean Bell is episode two and Sean Bell played uh, about 20 NHL games, was a first round pick by the St. Louis Blues. And he, he played in that 2005 World Juniors for Canada with, and that team was like, you know, top line was Bergeron, Crosby and Corey Perry. Right. Oh, and, yeah. and I mean, it was, it was awesome to talk to him about that as well, but I thought what was cool was like what he's doing after his pro career wrapped up as he started to coach. And then he starts, uh, he's, he's working with a company now that they work. Um, it's like an agency. So they help pro athletes that are coming out to try to find their, their purpose. Right. And, and so to your point, Daniel, like that's exactly the purpose is like, yeah, it's cool to, to bring a guy like Sean on and talk hockey with him and, and kind of reminisce with him and, and be a part of that while he's, he's talking and, but it's it's also it's fun to to have him talk about what he's up to now and to hear like the passion in his voice when he's saying, you know, I want to help guys. You know, I mean, as you guys have probably seen, right? 
some guys, they stop playing pro sports and they just don't know what to do with themselves. And, uh, and so yeah. it's like, it's nice to hear that Sean had a purpose. And, um, so yeah, I mean, it's, I, I don't want people to listen to the show and, and think that, uh, you know, that it's just a, a simple walk down memory lane for these guys to relive their glory days. Like it, it truly is. I'm trying to, you know, really get to the, the root of what they're doing now. And in a lot of cases, these guys are doing great things and it's just like, nobody really, nobody really knows that. That see that that's that's kind of what uh, we're trying to do too. You know, you, like there there's so many aspects that revolve around hockey that a lot of people just don't under, uh, like don't see or don't really understand until you know uh, guys like you know you and uh, us like we we're trying to expose the true positive aspects of what of a game that we love, and I think it's I think it's great. Hey, uh, Ryan, had, have you heard of the um, Man of the Year Award in the NFL, like the Walter Payton Man of the Year Award? No, no, I'm uh, not a big NFL fan. Is that for like the, the best guy off the field or something? Basically. Yes. And there's uh, a nominee from every team in the NHL or NFL. Oh, okay. And um, it's kind of like the Masterton. It's right? kind of, y- yeah. Yeah, that's that's where I was going with it was like um I wanted to let you know that like for years in the NHL's history there was this thing called the Budweiser NHL Man of the Year award. <laughs> <laughs> and um they were it was like a NHL team nominates a player and the winner would be chosen by a panel of judges and um they they'd be able to receive $21,000 to donate to the charity of their choice. Okay. I mean, 21 grand, but it was back in the nineties. Yeah. So anyway, um, it just sounds like there's a lot of the stories that you'll be uncovering from these guys that it's like, you know, these are going on with current uh, f- and former players. And they're kind of along those lines that would meet this bill. So yeah kind of cool yeah i mean the current guys uh, have reached out to a few nhl teams and gotten a very polite uh you know thanks but you know it's with a lot of these guys under contract um and with just the i mean as you guys know too the the way that the internet works these days it's you say one wrong thing and you're you're done for right so uh, a lot of the active players uh there's no real chance for me to have them on which i'm fine with right now but um obviously some of the former guys that i've had on like yeah they're they're excited to talk about it and um i don't know man i just like it's it's a big it's a bit of a daunting task i guess and you guys go through it too right when you're 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 trying to figure out what are we going to talk about for an episode and and that kind of thing and thankfully hockey's back so we actually have some news to talk about (laughs) but i mean it's uh it is it's it's one of those things that that's the mission of the the show so um, like I said, I appreciate you guys allowing me the platform here to to talk about it a little bit. Of course, no, yeah, no, every, everything you just said is you no, know, it's awesome. It really does um, re- reflect on how great these players are. Um, and I want to bring up, guys, there's a King Clancy Trophy. Uh, it's given to the player who best exemplifies leadership on and off the ice and has made a noteworthy humanitarian contribution to his community. 
Yeah. 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 Good, good call out there, Bryce. It went from the Budweiser man of the year to the NHL <laughs> foundation player award to the King Clancy yeah. Memorial. Yep. Trophy. Yep. yep. <laughs> a good trajectory. Meanwhile, there's still like a Mark Messier award, I think out there floating around bought, brought to you by Lay's potato chips. Just had to, just had to get a stab in at, at Messier at some point. Eh? Every chance I yeah. get. Uh, yeah. <laughs> So um, before we transition to you know maybe talking some caps hockey, uh, in in that in that sense, uh, who do you think right now, Ryan, would uh, probably uh, you would give the King Clancy to uh, right right now? Like maybe uh, maybe an older player and a current player for humanitarian work. I mean, yeah, I think I think a lot of the the current guys. I think a lot of them have stuff that they don't really talk about. I think that's kind of a part of the the, the hockey culture too. Is that I mean, you guys remember a few years ago, Ovechkin was hammered at the NHL All Star Game, and it was kind of like, you know, he's trying to get the car, and then it came out a few days later he was trying to win that car for a, a young girl's somebody else hockey team, right? Yeah. And it was like would have helped them with transportation and stuff, right? So, um, but I mean, current players. I don't know. I mean, off the top of my head, I guess, you know, there's some guys that are, are really into the social causes right now uh, that are trying to bring some some light to things. But I, I don't think we'll ever know, uh, truly. Um, I, I can only speak for out here in Vancouver. I know Besser was kind of like the one guy that more and more stuff comes out about him. And, and it seems like he's really uh, going to be a big deal. I know actually Braden Holpe is another guy that when he got to Vancouver and people really started to, to look into him, they understood what he's done with the LGBTQ community and some of the, the social causes he, he thinks about uh, and, and works with. So, I mean, it's kind of a biased pick because he's a former cap, but uh, he, he, I guess, would be my pick currently. Yeah, and uh, it's funny that you bring up that uh, o- uh, Ovechkin trying to win the, uh, win the car for that girls team up. Uh, David Pasternak, when he uh, when he was the MVP of uh, the All Stars, he did the same thing. He gave that card away to a needy family. So that that that's pretty cool. That uh, a lot of the times these guys are just like, no, this I I don't need this. Let's let's give it off to somebody. <laughs> well, I think Cros- Crosby did it last year too. But you're right. I mean, it was like a Honda Odyssey van. I think he gave it to like a single mom who was in school. Right. So, I, I mean, I can't picture, <laughs> I, don't, I, I can't, can't picture see. Sid driving to the rink in a, in a Honda. That's what Odyssey, I was going right? to say. Doing donuts in the parking lot with that is not really Sid's forte. Hell yeah. <laughs> Get it with <laughs> that mom van. Maybe he does. He does Tim Hortons commercials. I know he likes donuts. Maybe he would. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Maybe. Like, yeah. It's like Sid though. Like I, I don't know what a, I don't know what a Honda Odyssey costs in, in American dollars, but Sid probably makes that in his first three shifts. So I don't think he's uh, really dying to to be All Star MVP for that. Right. <laughs> All right. So yeah, let's uh, let's talk a little Washington Capitals hockey. I mean, um, obviously, <laughs> uh, Reardon gets fired. Uh, uh, it's I believe Peter Laviolette is now the yep. uh, so. Let's just. Uh, I want to get your scouting report. Uh, uh, we've got what, maybe two weeks into hockey already, and uh, let's get your scouting report on the on those caps real quick, and then we'll go into some, you know, uh, what happened this week and what what might happen later on. So, uh, how are they looking? 
what do you like? What do you like in the Caps, and what what do you think uh, could be improved? Well, I mean, they're going to be without uh, their Russian crew here for a little bit. It sounds like, um, but uh, I, you know what, the team looks good. I don't know really. I mean, I'm a Caps fan. Like, I, this team's broken my heart so many times. Like, 2018 is kind of a an anomaly at this point. So, I don't know if uh, if I want to say, well, they're going to win a Stanley <laughs> Cup or something, but. You know what? The guy that surprised me the most is actually Chara. Uh, I don't think uh, anyone expected him to be the, the Chara that won a Norris Trophy in 2009. Uh, but watching him, I mean, he's slow as hell out there, but he still is positionally sound and uh, obviously a big physical presence for them. And I mean, how good would Chara be in, in the Colorado locker room, right? I mean, you think about this is a Hall of Famer and for him to be on the caps, and I, I mean, it's a shame Lundquist couldn't be there either, but more than anything, he's, yeah. he's going to be a benefit in the locker room. And uh, I think that any team in the NHL for 700K should have been going to Chara and saying, hey, we, you know, we'd like to have you here, whether it's, you know, being our 4-5 defenseman or our 6-7 or, or whatever. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm I, I'm just waiting to see. I, Laviolette, I mean, you guys probably know this too, right? His, his, his MO is like he comes in and he'll, he'll take a team to the Stanley Cup Finals in his first year or two, and then he loses the room after a couple of years and they, then he moves on. Right. And the cycle repeats. So if he can get the capitals past the first round, cause that's what they've been unable to do the last couple of seasons. Uh, I'm happy with that. I think that they still have a chance to win and Laviolette might be the guy that lights a fire under them. Cause Todd Reardon, I mean, there was a clip last year in the playoffs where the Islanders were, where they scored a goal and they panned over to Reardon and he just looked confused. Like he looked like he had no clue how he got on the bench or, or anything. So um, he was a definite wet blanket, and that team doesn't need that. No, especially not. Yeah, I mean, especially how uh, you know how exciting Washington Capitals hockey normally is, and when when you have a bench boss that just is you know kind of like a dead stick, it's just uh, I think it does a lot uh, a lot of detriment to the actual locker room when you've got someone like Reardon who's. Uh, not necessarily just like is uh, uh, you know all there. Can I can I say that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I and and, I'll, and I'm gonna agree with you. Uh, like Peter Laviolette, I mean he uh, he he commands a lot from all of his players, and I mean we've seen it several times in Nashville and Philadelphia. Uh, that you know he he gets everything out of of all his players, and I think uh, that might be that that is a great step for the Capitals to take uh, for a bench boss. Yeah, yeah, and I mean it's we'll see, right? I mean I, I don't the division is is a toss up too in, in that division. So I mean I I want to switch up a little bit here though, guys. I want to talk about the abs and that that sick uh, pant glove combo they have going on the helmets and everything like that's one of the i watching the game last night against anaheim i was mckinnon's flying around i'm like god i, I don't know if it's the blue pants but he just looks faster oh yeah, yeah. oh go for it. <laughs> it's interesting yeah i mean we like the home uniforms they look pretty sweet but when it comes to the away ones i'm not sure i mean cody and ross i don't know Dan, how you feel about it it looks a little it looks a little uh off yeah it, it uh, away. It's kind of grown on me. The home sweaters when they they're at home, uh, it kind of makes more sense. It flows basically. 
with the colorization with the colorization of the gloves and the helmet and the pants. But yeah, it's kind of weird seeing the white with the blue like accents all well, over yeah, now. That's <laughs> that's the unfortunate part about being the uh, having having the away sweater because I mean league mandate. Uh, states that you have to have a white helmet. So when you've got the blue uh, blue pants and the blue gloves with the white helmet, it almost looks a little bit off. But I think it's really yeah. it's really gelling with me. I like it. I mean, obviously now the Avs, uh, their uh, their second, they don't even have black as their secondary color at all. So I, I no. definitely understand why they switched it. And um. I love it. I'm. Uh, I know they've made minor alterations to the third jersey, gloves and pants and stuff. So I'm excited yeah. to see that as well. But uh, you know, um, and it's also I, for the 25th anniversary too. I hope they can continue with it though. Sorry, Cody. Oh no, you're fine. To get um, that out, buddy. Yeah. No, <laughs> I. Uh, the homes they look fucking svelte. Um, yeah. Um, I. You know, I'm, 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 I've been eating crow because uh, ever since the uh, the Avs reverse retro jerseys came out, I think everybody knows how exactly how I felt about them. But um, of course, I went and bought one, and now that I, I <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you and I both, buddy. <laughs> uh, now that I see it in person, I'm like, yeah, these things are just slick as fuck. So. I can't wait to see uh, the reverse retros on the ice too, because I believe what I believe is um, they're going to have the maroon gloves and pants, and that's just going to look so sweet. That was uh, one of the last episodes of the Hockey Minute. I think we quoted your Instagram post, Beaks, just yeah. popping <laughs> off about marketing in Colorado. And I mean, I, I'll be honest, guys, I wasn't too sure when. Like when you're throwing a Nordique like a logo um, on a jersey for a team that moved, like I, I wasn't sure how that would be received because I thought maybe there's something they could have done to honor the, you know, the '96 team that won the cup or something, and, and they went even further back. So, but yeah. uh, I don't know. I mean, I, I'm kind of indifferent. I just, I just same thing when Carolina did the Whalers jersey. I thought that's kind of a slap in the face to all the Whalers fans that lost their team. But I don't know. That jersey looks like it's selling pretty good, though. So, who, what, you know, what do I know? Oh uh, well, uh, I I totally understand, and like this is I've had conversations about that uh, about that very same thing so many times. It's like, I mean, yeah, you want to honor your you you want to honor where you came from, but I mean, at the same time, like you know, where the it's the Avalanche, not the Nordiques anymore, and just the same with uh, Carolina and uh, you know Hartford. I mean, it's great, but uh, I mean, at the at the very end of the day, like most of the time, if the the only time I'd really actually like to see the Nordiques logo come back is maybe in a like a Winter Classic against the Montreal yeah. Canadiens, you know? Yeah, that'd be that'd be really cool to see, you know, like both uh, like you know the Battle of Quebec come back in like a Winter Classic. So, I mean. I, I, it's, it's clear why they did it because I mean, it's obvious and it's very popular. I mean, you, you almost talk to any, um, Colorado Avalanche fan and they're like, Oh yeah, that shit's fucking spelled. It's, it's sick, you know, but I mean, all, the thing is, is just, we're not the Nordiques anymore. So I, I, <laughs> I definitely, I definitely get that, uh, outlook for sure. Um, 
Well, yeah, I don't and know. I'm going to go out on a limb and say it's kind of more of a slap to the face to Quebec uh, Nordique fans because basically we had the team that they had just with yeah. a few like newer players. So they could have had a Stanley Cup probably that year if they still got Wall, but I doubt that they would have done that, honestly, yeah. if they were still in Quebec. So, I, as I said, I think it's more of a slap to Quebec in the face to Quebec uh, Nordiques fans because they could have had the cup where the Whalers were from way back in the day, you know, and they got bought for Carolina. Yeah, like we didn't see the Winnipeg Jets doing an Atlanta Thrashers retro jersey or anything. So no. I don't know why you'd want to do that in the first place. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, let's be honest here. I mean, uh, the the especially those th- thrashers third jerseys were just you know those were those are top on my list of like the ugliest sweaters ever which which ones the ones with the atlanta coming down the sleeve cody yeah yeah like the powder blue yes and it's yeah. just that one sleeve yeah yes kind of a weird one it's like the yeah. weird panthers ones that they had with it where it had just like a little panther like face and then it had like the florida panthers like water like or the lettering around it it's like what the hell are you doing yeah i don't know those those thrashers ones really went out on a limb i mean i'll, I'll oh, yeah. take those panthers ones before anything so <laughs> I'm, i mean i'm just saying so uh so let's talk a little divisions now i mean obviously the all canadian division like What's the buzz up in Canada about the All Canadian Division? Are is people loving it? People hating it? Well, like, oh, <laughs> I mean, I gotta, I gotta say, it's it seems pretty interesting. I mean, you got the uh, Battle uh, Battle of Alberta ten times. You've got uh, Montreal versus Toronto ten times. I mean, it, what what's your outlook on that, Ryan? Well, first of all, it's not the Canadian division. It's the NHL Scotiabank North division. Uh, oh, of course. <laughs> Love it. Yeah. Love it. Yeah. You should try yeah, to reach uh, that to the NHL. We, uh, <laughs> I think we owe Scotiabank 17 cents for the plug. But um, I, I think right now, man, it's like, it's like the only team I think that's uh, maybe not living up to expectations is the Canucks, honestly. And, and I mean, the Senators uh, got off to a slow start, but that was to be expected. Um, you're right. I mean, I think it's fun for the rivalries to see Calgary Edmonton play each other like 10 times. Uh, Montreal, I think Montreal's kind of caught me off guard too. I, I didn't really, especially because they started out West, they kind of walked into Edmonton, you know, dummied them. They walked into Vancouver, dummied them. Um, it's, it's kind of an interesting thing to see how, how good Montreal has been because, I mean, Nick Suzuki's like a promising young player, but they looking at their roster, they don't really have a, like a high-end superstar offensive player at this point, um, and that's oh, why I yeah, think, they... yeah, and that's why I think Dubois going to Montreal was the big rumor up north was because it, it just it seemed to make sense from a French Canadian standpoint. But it's been good. I mean, Toronto I think is going to win the division pretty easily. I don't see any other teams really competing. And then in Edmonton, like it's it's funny because Sportsnet up here is they they own the uh, TV rights in Canada for all NHL games, and so they have the rights to all the teams and literally we're what a week and a half into the season. There's already been an article written about uh, the Oilers, the Canucks and 
oh, I want to say they wrote one about the Leafs as well, about how, you know, this season's not going to be good for them if things keep going the way they're going. So um, <laughs> it's just typical Canadian hockey media, though, is, is that, uh, you know, three games in, it's like the Canucks should blow up the team. They should fire the GM. Coach needs to go. They need to figure out what's wrong with <laughs> Pedersen, you know, and it's like it's been three games, right? I mean, these guys kind of had a short training camp or no training camp and, and just let them feel it out. So, uh, but it's it's been good hockey for sure. And, and I mean, it's it's exciting to see games every day like you know four o'clock me being out west it's like four o'clock i'm at work still technically working from my couch and i can usually catch uh you know a toronto uh, ottawa game or something yeah you got one eye on the uh the auto insurance game and then you got the other eye on the, uh... <laughs> <laughs> no no yeah i mean that, that and that's one thing that's really interesting about this year too is that there's uh, a uh, pretty there's like an overabundance of earlier games you're yep. seeing like three uh, three o'clock on a Monday. You're getting it. You're already getting game. So it's 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 going to be interesting. And I think uh, um, I I I'm pretty interested in uh, who who you think's got the uh, got the rope for the cup this year. I'm not just saying this because it's a colorado-based podcast i'm on but the abs i mean i, I said last <laughs> year too i said like like here's the thing and I, I don't know if there's any oiler fans on this pod are you, any of you guys oiler fans oh absolutely not okay no. so i've been saying <laughs> to uh to a few people watching Connor mcdavid and then watching nathan mckinnon is that you know watching mcdavid up here he gets almost like he gets discouraged and he just stops trying and he kind of lacks some fire at times. And uh, when I watch McKinnon, when he's when things aren't going his way, you can see he gets pissed off. He plays, you know, he's a pretty physical guy, he's stocky, right? And he'll just go out and hit somebody to get back in the game or something. And watching that yeah. assist he had against LA, like I, I'm honestly on the train of thought where I think McKinnon is the best player. I think McDavid's probably the most talented or, or naturally skilled player in the league, but I think McKinnon is the best. And I think that because of that, and the way, I mean, you guys got Bowen Byram. Uh, I, I understand he just came to town like a day or two ago, got an assist in his first game. Um, like, yeah, I think that the Avs are in a position right now where they're they're poised to win. And uh, I think Nathan McKinnon is driven right now, and his best friend is Sidney Crosby. So <laughs> he's looking at Sid's three rings and a couple Olympic gold medals, and, and going, "Hey, I got to fill my trophy case here." And and uh, the way the team's structured, I think that Colorado's got the best shot to win. You know that's that's really funny that you mentioned that about McDavid and and I'm um you know I'm I'm completely behind you on that it it is true that he he seems like uh, just w- when things aren't going his way his just motor shuts off and and then he kind of shuts down and I mean like obviously being the captain of that young ish team it, like you see if you see the great McDavid uh, shutting down it's almost like well. Fuck! I guess I'm gonna shut down too. I guess we <laughs> lost this one, you know. It, and, uh, and and what's I think uh, I mean, hopefully, eventually, McDavid can kind of realize that you know his actions do speak louder than words, in especially in a game like hockey, and maybe overcome that. But it, I mean, uh, McKinnon went through that too. You know, he, uh, yeah. you know, uh, in his younger days, you know, he'd get really uh, frustrated with play and. You know, obviously go off. I mean, you've seen him, 
you've seen McKinnon, you know, a few years back, you know, talking back to the coach or, you know, basically just shutting down as well. And But, uh, yeah, I think he's matured to the point where that's not really a problem for him. He really just, instead of uh, getting mad at teammates or, you know, himself, he'll just go out there and uh, put somebody in the ice or put the puck in the <laughs> net and, it's uh you know it's a new game for him just inside inside uh an older one, so yeah I, I really like that I really like that uh outlook on him because uh, you know I I couldn't agree more so well and I'm gonna add something to that too and you guys may or may not agree with me it's like he's like I'm gonna go out because I'm a little bit of a nerd too it's like in Dragon Ball Z they just keep on hitting different levels. And he just keeps on, no, he keeps on turning it on and, like, even further and further and further to where it's, like, he almost has no, basically, ceiling on him to what he can do. He's, like, that proficient and good at what he does now. It's, like, almost, like, second nature to him out there. Yeah. I mean, to perfect example, last last year in the playoffs, right, I mean, Jonathan saves. There was clips. There's a guy up here uh, who's coming on my show, Jason Padolan. If you if you haven't heard of him, he actually yeah. had uh, Bednar on his show at one point uh, to talk about you know coaching the Abs. But he you know he made a point on his videos to show like Jonathan Taves winning a faceoff in the offensive zone against McDavid and then getting around McDavid. McDavid just kind of lets him go, and then Taves ends up scoring a goal. And and it's like McDavid now is at an age where he's been around long enough and he, in my opinion, he just needs to be a bit better of a, of, of a leader. Right. And um, you know, like a perfect example of the game against, I think it was when they played Toronto the other night, like he, he got a goal and big smile on his face and everything. And he's happy. And, and it's like when they were getting shelled by Montreal and they were getting shelled by, uh, by Vancouver, he was, you know, he was not happy about that. Um, yeah, and he just stopped skating, you know, and it seemed like he just tried to do everything himself. And and whereas I look at McKinnon, I'm just like, this guy is everywhere. He's he's moving the puck. He's, you know, there's a, there's an effort in all areas of the ice. And so uh, it might be a hot take, and some people will probably disagree with me, but I think that McKinnon right now is the best player in the world. Oh, yeah. I could agree with you, hands down. Well, uh, yeah, I'm going to – I'm gonna, I'm definitely going to second or third that, honestly. Um, <laughs> but I, yeah, I, well, even, even look at, uh, uh, I mean, McKinnon's doing all this work. I mean, just even that, uh, first game against LA, I mean, he makes these, this, uh, this beautiful, these beautiful moves to get past in behind the defense, you know, he drives it to the net, doesn't score, but, uh, you know, uh, uh, Landy comes in and cleans up the garbage. He's more stoked that Landy put it in the net than he did, even though Mac is yeah. the one that does all this work. And I think that's 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 something to behold in a leadership quality is that it does he doesn't care if he's the one putting the puck in the net. He cares that they're winning, that they scored that the abs someone on the Avalanche scored the goal. Doesn't matter who, it just matters that they did it, you know. And I think that's a that's a huge leadership trait that I think uh, Mac has really been able to build upon, you know, coming into the league and like really kind of like gaining ownership of these the core of the Avs. 
Would you say, because I know Landeskog is the captain, but you just said it, Beeks, like he gets fired up. Uh, McKinnon gets fired up when he sees other guys score. And, he, you know, in, a, in an 82-game season, he could probably put up 100 points at this point pretty easily. I know he hit, he hit 99 a couple of years ago. Um, but it, it's like, it doesn't, when I watch him play and just how he acts out there, like it doesn't seem to matter to him about the points. It seems like he's like, let's win the game and let's win the cup. And would you say that, uh, would you guys say that this is McKinnon's team and Landis Gog is just simply, you know, he's the captain, he's maybe the voice in the locker room, but it's McKinnon's team? I would agree with that, yes. And even to like go out on a limb and say sometimes wearing the captain's seat can kind of get in some guys like the way that they play too. I've realized that to where other players, they just wear it better. And yeah. they also play the the alternate captain kind of position a lot better. There's not as much responsibility, they feel, in that position. So they can go out and play their game, in a sense. Well, yeah, and, and I'll tell you, I mean, Gabe Landeskog, I mean, so many people just uh, have nothing but good things to say about Landeskog. And I'll have to agree, he is, like, he was, he is the... Uh, prototypical captain he like he knows what to say he his demeanor is always so like you know so well presented and and i'll tell you that so i wouldn't say necessarily that it's just max team it it really is everybody like the entire chorus team like uh, like if you listen to you know when burkowski or you know donskoy and kadri came in last year they all staying praises about all like the entire core of the team being so welcoming and, and so incredible to be around, you know, that, that takes more than just one or two guys, you know, that's like, that's everybody in the locker room uh, really coming together as like a group, you know, as uh, like more than just a hockey team, you know, it's basically their culture in a sense, like yeah. they've created such a good culture within that locker room. Like it's a very inviting place. Yeah, exactly. It kind of brings up the point to, you know, a lot of people think that the, the hockey captain has to be the best player on the team. It's definitely, you know, not the issue with the avalanche, obviously that McKinnon's probably the best player on the team, but questions being asked, but I think Landis Gog, he's definitely more of a vocal leader, especially when the downer goal or two, he's, definitely a vocal guy whereas McKinnon definitely just leads by example I mean he's, he might not be like the most vocal guy in the locker room but on the ice he gets excited and he at times he just um he's a leader but just more of just you know leads by example yeah and, and this is the last thing I'll say about it because we are rambling on but uh you know like a good leader makes any guy uh around him the best player that night. And it's not always just, oh, well, McKinnon's just cruising. You know, every night someone else, there's a huge focus on someone else. And the and the leaders of the Colorado Avalanche, I feel, do a really good job of making any guy on at any point the best player on the ice that night. But that's all I'll say. <laughs> <laughs> Well, damn, uh, Ryan, thank you so much for talking with us, man. Uh, like, uh, do you want to just uh, uh, throw out all your um, throw out all your social media for Hockey Talk podcast and uh, you know all that yeah. goodness? 
Yeah. Um, so you can, I mean, the main platform is Instagram. It's the, the, the one that I prefer the most, uh, but it's just hockey, H-A-W-K-E-Y, and then talk at, uh, so that's Hockey Talk Podcast on Instagram, at Hockey Talk on Twitter, which uh, I don't really check, so don't maybe message me there. Um, and then, uh, you know, the show's on Spotify and Apple, and uh, so you can check it out, subscribe. And uh, to you guys, thank you so much for, for bringing me on and, and letting me share about the show and, and just chatting about some puck. Hey, man, thank you so much for coming on. We always enjoy talking uh, talking puck with, uh, with Mr. Hawk. Uh, go check out his podcast right now, Kel- uh, Kelly Beauty, <laughs> uh, total banger. So, uh, yeah, you guys want to start these shout-outs and then uh, get her going? Sure, Cody. I'll just say, uh, Ryan, thanks again for coming on. It's really nice to hear your take on what you're doing with your podcast, and we wish you the best of luck. It sounds like you've got a lot of episodes under your belt, so we're looking forward to hearing those as you work on your other ones. So thanks for coming on the show. Really appreciate it. And um, shout-out to just the crew being so good this week getting through some uh massive edits on the last episode uh just wanted to say thanks for all the group work lately it's been awesome so um thanks everybody and uh, appreciate it any other shout outs uh, well uh just yeah thanks ryan for coming on and uh yeah our sponsors uh beer nation dog nation and then yeah all of you guys uh this this has been a fun week. I've learned a lot. So, um, yeah. And thanks to all of our listeners out there. All right. I'm just pretty much give it out to our sponsors, our friends, family. Um, thanks again, uh, Ryan, for hopping on. That was awesome. Yeah. And all I got to say is thank you to the hockey community. Thank you to the, uh, thank you to everybody who, uh, who supports and listens to us, and thank you to Ryan. So, without further ado, V Horsh. Salut. Aviento. Davidison. Bye. Try the damn thing, see what happens.